like my gig or like my gig with ESPN. You know, I'm the only guy getting to do 35 national TV games and some playoffs and 50 national radio games and some playoffs. Welcome back to episode 47 of the Compound Podcast presented by Parse Rum. Who loves Parse? I love Parse. I love it. Parse. I love it. I plant a tree every time I drink it. I have said this before and I'll say it again. I cannot wait to see the first when I say Parse, you say rum shirt at Wrigley Field. Parse. Rum. Rum. Oh, I think Zach won that one. No shot. Your connection must be a little slow. Nope. Let's start by talking about the fact that 43-year-old Tom Brady is headed back to no, the Super next Bowl. topic without nope. Belichick, and it's next, incredible. Next topic. I think Matt LaFleur should have been fired on the spot. I don't think that's overreacting. I think when he kicked that field goal to make it 31-23 to 31-26 with just over two minutes giving the ball back to Tom Brady, he should have been fired from the booth. Not even wait for the game to be over. Field goal gets kicked, done. Somebody else takes over. He goes to the locker room. He's banished. Kicking a field goal and going for – if you make the field goal and you go for fourth and ten and you don't get it, the same outcome happens. I I didn't – I still – I have nothing. I have yet to see a logical explanation because you still need to score a touchdown. It's not like you were down six and you kicked a field goal to be like, well, now we only need a field goal if we can get a stop. Maybe I could see that, but you went from eight to five. Like you need a touchdown no matter what. I really thought Rodgers was going to run the ball there on third down. I thought so too. But if you look at that, I saw like a still frame from behind. I don't think it was, it was open, but I don't think it was like a walk in like people are saying. I think he would have got tackled, but it would have been fourth and goal from the three. That's an easier decision to go for it. I also think that Rodgers is incredible. And and you know what I don't like? I do not like the people that are on the Twitter saying that Rodgers only has one, one. NFC champion, championship, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. Good job, Ian. Nice job, Thank Ian. You. Football guy. You, because because Rodgers is incredible and he deserves the MVP this year. You know how I, I love like throwing mechanics for baseball and that, you know, like when it spins, when they show Rodgers throwing a spiral in slow motion, I mean, it's literally – must see TV. He he, 100% deserves MVP, and there's no question how good he is. But, I mean, you got one NFC championship in, what, 15 years? Like, that's – like, maybe not 15, maybe 10 years, 12 years, but – Hey, tough league. man, that's not getting it done. The elites of the elite, the elites of the elite win football games and win championships. But you're, com- you're comparing all of them to Tom Brady. People talk about him like he's better than Tom Brady. And I'm like, yeah, talent-wise, honestly, talent-wise, he is yes, more talented is. than yes, Tom Brady. Is. Yes, But Tom Brady, Zach's going to puke when I say this, Tom Brady is a LeBron James of football in that he makes every single player on his team instantly better just by him being on the team. 100%, 100%. everybody on his team is better because he's One on made, the team. He made Wes Welker into like – people were like, we got to get this guy. I mean, look at everybody on the path. Yeah. Yeah. But what well, I mean, you're comp- like, besides Peyton Manning, mm-hmm. Joe Montana, Joe Montana, but Drew Brees has Drew Brees has one. Drew Brees has one. Uh, Rogers has one. I mean, the thing is, the guy he's about to face is about to have his second in two years. Patrick Mahomes is going to go down. That dude the best is quarterback of all time. He's special. special. 
Special. It was. I think. I, I think it was like Damian Lillard tweeted it or something. Like the only thing to compare him to is Steph Curry. Yeah. Because he does something every game. No, every it's not. That it's like, dude, what? Like this isn't real life. Friend of the pod, Scotty Efros, said that in our group yesterday. I had something typed out, and I was like, I don't know. Have you ever heard of this guy, Allen Iverson? He was probably one of the best dribblers ever. Him and Kyrie. And then I was like. Wait, that kind of makes sense with Steph Curry, just like making crazy plays. And then I see that tweet, and I was like, "Fuck!" Like Scott was right. I was like, "Damn, dude, it's he's fun to watch, man. He's a he's appointment television. When Patrick Mahomes is playing, you need to set it. I'd actually be curious to. I'd be curious to see if I honestly don't want him to leave or have that team break up because I want to see if they can win twelve in a row. It's like, what can what does he do? I would love to see him in his own offense, opposed to having Tariq Hill, who gets the ball and literally runs from sideline to sideline, sideline to sideline, and nobody touches him. He does have many weapons, but that's not an indictment. I'm not taking anything away from him. Yes, you are. You did this with Trevor Lawrence, too. You said you Trevor Lawrence. About? I'm Trevor saying Lawrence has never lost. He hasn't I'm had struggle. Saying, he has I, all this talent. I, I, want to, I literally am saying I want him to win 12 in a row. But I want him to – like, how cool would it be to do what Tom Brady just did, you asshole? No offense to the Jets, but if you put Patrick Mahomes on the Jets this year, they're still a sub-500 team. See, I think he's different. I, I, want Tom different. Brady, I just want to put this on the record. I want Tom Brady to win because he went to another team and is doing it. He's – just as good as he was with the Patriots. Maybe yeah, better. Well, people, better. People forget that he's throwing to some some great weapons out there as well. That was another argument I had with somebody. He joined to be yes, he joined a brand new team in one year with no offseason, no OTAs. But I mean, he has he has arguably the best roster in the NFL. Literally, the Bucks roster might be the best in the NFL. Yes. Their defense is incredible. Their weapons are the best in the league. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown. Gronk, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones. Gronk, like Gronk is don't like get me wrong. He's still forty three years old and slinging it. That screen they threw to him, I think it was a third down. He was like an afterthought. He's kind of swept under the rug because they have so many other guys to worry about. If that's and in I New think, England, if that's in New England, you're you're doubling him and you're making them, you're making him, or you're making your team get beat by somebody else. I'd put $1 million on Gronkowski to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl because I think they're going to find some way where that connection is going to come back and he's going to hit him. You're going you're gonna to try it again, huh? Um, can we talk before we get to our special guest, Boog Shiambi, the new voice of the Chicago Cubs? Can we talk shortly about the fact that John Lester is actually now gone for sure, for that's real? Your, that's your close personal friend, Ian. How, how are you doing with that? Not, not well. Um it's sad. It's sad for everyone. I, it was sad in Wrigley. The being around the stadium and just like he meant so much to the organization, so much to not only teammates and fans, but like people that you know worked in the organization, have been there for a long time, have seen a lot of players come through. It was sad, and I'm sad, but I'm very happy for him. I'm very happy for Schwab that they'll be together and that they'll be with Davey and that John Lester is going to be throwing strikes in the big leagues. I saw a tweet that said John Lester is probably the greatest free agent signing in Cubs history, and I would be hard-pressed to find someone better. Nico and I were actually in the weight room today talking about how good his season was in 16, 
and how he arguably could have won the Cy Young that year, but Scherzer did, and then how good his year was again in 18. That game and, against the Rockies, was is that 18? 18. That was, I just have this, whenever I think of Lester, whenever his name gets called up, I have the picture in my head of him screaming coming off the mound in that game. It was, it was just good all the time. Like, I think he was just consistently so good. I think when you look at his stat line, that's like, was it, he had like the over 600, 650 winning percentage with the Red Sox and like exactly the same winning percentage, exactly the same ERA with the Red Sox and the Cubs. Silly, stupid. Surefire Hall of Famer, first ballot. Give it to him. Give it to him now. The compound said so. Let's go to the interview with Book. He's our favorite. He's a repeat guest. He's our second, third repeat guest, second non-player repeat guest. He's the new voice of the Cubs, and we love him here. He is Book Shambi. What do you think the biggest difference is going to be? I mean, you were with a team previously, but it's been when was the last time you were with a team every day? Oh nine, I did the Braves. I did the Braves. Um, 07, 08, 09. So the only thing that's different for me is in terms of prep and going into it, you just got to be a little careful. Like I'm like, I like baseball more than I like broadcasting. I love broadcasting, but I'm like a baseball nerd. Like I just like it. But my problem is this, that if you guys are playing the nationals and Josh Bell swinging the shit out of it, like, my inclination is to do something on Josh Bell and do something on you. And even if that's the case now, like, we're going to need to dial it down a little bit. We can maybe talk about Josh Bell a little bit, but we're going to need to, like, pump the brakes on that a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a little different when going from the unbiased, you could talk about both sides very freely to, like, you talk a little bit too much about the really good player on the other side yeah. and the fans start to just wear you out. No doubt. The fans are going to be in your ear quick. No doubt. But like, I know that. So I think that my, ante- I, I think that I'm, I'm naturally, my antenna's up for, I'll play stuff like that more conservatively. So I'm not really worried about it. And I'm genuinely excited about doing it. If there's one fan base to get back into it with, the yeah. Cubs fan base, the one you would choose. No, it's like everybody said, you know, were you really interested in getting back to doing a team every day? I don't know. I was interested in doing the Cubs every day, though. Like, it's the <laughs> Cubs. You know what I mean? Like, you got fans everywhere. I mean, I go walking around, there's some lady with her dog coat on, and it's got a Cub dog coat on. Like, just walking around near my apartment. You know, it just it's constant wherever you are. So speaking speaking of walking around, that play by play you did just in the park was the coolest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it was like it is one of the things where I just I do love look, I, I'm from here. I love love this town. And I was just like like it was like six people playing legit wiffle ball with bases and it was cold. And they were running. So, like, what would happen was the girl would pitch and who'd ever hit, like, you hit it at a defender. And, like, if you're at short, you field it and you throw it across the cone. It's like a, it was a flat cone. And if the throw beats the runner before he get you're out. Like, that's how they were playing. And then I, and I just, it just sort of stopped me. And I was with my godson, who's like four, and a couple other people. And then they were like, you probably should call a couple of pitches. I was like, yeah, that's not a bad idea. And the best part was, <laughs> It was like three pitches 
I came in, I knew where that there was a guy at second. I knew there was one out and it was like two plays and it just wrapped perfectly. And it was funny. So Dom, I don't know if you've seen Dom. We yeah, talked yeah. a little bit about yeah, yeah. Dom on Twitter, but he has been pumping you. So like, as <laughs> soon as that, hit and he was all over it yeah. i was like he's gonna have a field day with this i did, I have, i'll be honest with you like look I, I it's i don't it's not like i don't have an ego but the response to being named was a little weird i was like wait like who are you talking about everyone was like really excited and i was just like did they hire somebody else and i'm just not aware like what the it was, I mean, super flattering. Don't misunderstand me. But it was just like, you go, when do you ever go on like the internet and like everybody on Twitter is like, what do you think about that? And everybody on Twitter is like, yes. It was weird. Cubs Twitter was definitely blowing up as soon as I saw it. I noticed that because I, I don't think, I don't think anyone like texted me about it. I like went on Twitter and it was everywhere. Like every single Cubs account possible loved it. So. You were the you were the biggest free agent sign. That's right. That's of the right. Off season and people are fired up. Yeah. Well, that's what that's it. That's it right there. You know, like call some games right here. <laughs> One of the fan questions we got for you was how you think that marquee or broadcasting in general could engage more fans. You know, the real answer involves you guys. The real answer involves telling your stories, humanizing you guys. It's part of why, look, I've been in on the analytics for a long time, and I like it, and I really like telling stories. Like, I want to tell your stories, you know? Like, I, I want to stand there. When I was with the Braves, I would sit there, and Brian McCann was a guy who was a total, he was a slob. And I would stand in front of his locker while he'd clean out his locker. And he'd find, like, a shell cap. And he's like, oh, man, I've been looking this forever. I couldn't find it. Oh, this one fits so great. But it's that type of stuff. You know what I'm saying? That that people always, what do they want to know? They want to know what you guys are like. And so I love that stuff. I love talking to Anthony Rizzo. You know, and doing some research with Rossi, and Rossi tells me a story about in Pittsburgh, and Riz rolls over the first time. I, you know, we replayed the clip, and and Riz's answer, Rossi's response was that what happened after Riz hit a home run was that David yelled at him and it motivated him, and Riz's thing was I yelled back, and it was the first time I yelled at Dad, <laughs> and just that's their relationship, you know, like yeah. so telling those stories. So I, I think that look, I'm I'm there's only so much we can do without you without you all. But I'm down to like foster the connection and I wanna make guys feel comfortable and I think I'm good at making the players feel comfortable because I just, I want them to see who you all are because you're you guys are fun and I love that stuff. One of the things that I think was the best thing that came out of spring training last year was the two-way mic up. Absolutely. And when I talked to the marquee guys and when we were just trying to talk through ideas and what could engage fans more, because that's like, that's what we do. We're an entertainment business that needs to engage fans yes. and you can't do it all the time during games. No. And we talked about doing it during the playoffs yeah. and it's just, it's difficult. Like it, yeah. it's really hard to say, all right, I'm going to wear this and play. And especially when it matters, 
I don't know how I, – I mean, I'm totally with you. I think in spring – I mean, look, that game in spring training, I mean, we were in the middle of it, and I was sitting there saying to myself, wow, this is great. I mean, KB doesn't like wearing the spring training hat, so at a certain point, you know, ball outside, hey, will you guys do me a favor? Look at your hats. Why aren't you guys wearing the same hats? And then Chris realizes that he has the different hat than everybody else, and he just goes, we wear what we want to wear. <laughs> but just all the stuff in the middle of it with Riz telling the Chipper Jones story or while Chris is up there saying, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, you know, like from from rookie of the year. But I'm with you. I don't think I should be as much as I want that stuff. And, we're you know, we'd have to all work on it together. Yeah, I don't think that um, I should be talking in your ear in a high leverage at bat in the division series. My idea is that you do it in batting practice. Yeah. So in batting practice, you're up in the booth and we do a two-way mic and you tell stories or ask questions about the series before and you basically do an interview during BP uh, when you're out there shagging in the outfield and then you play, maybe it's a 15-minute yeah. clip and you yeah. either do that in that's, pregame before good, right? or you do it in like a pregame show. So I don't know about you guys, but like whenever I go on a YouTube you know, a dark hole. Yeah. Like I'm looking at the, co- the coolest videos are like the Showtime or HBO of like the mic'd up big games. You yeah. know, like NFL does a great job after every week. They have like a 25 to 30 minute video of mic'd up of every game. And it's right. like to hear those cool videos like that week in and week out. And it's like, you know, so you know how a, a teammate is after somebody fumbles. Like right. last night when. Uh, Hardman fumbled for the Chiefs, you know, like they had a clip. It was a minute long, like Mahomes and Kelsey going up to the guy and like genuinely saying like, hey, you're good. Let's go. Let's yeah. go. And to get that on camera yeah. and just raw footage like that. I mean, who doesn't want to see that? Yeah, you can have the generic sit down, but it's it's just way different. Yes, I, I'm with you. I think, you know, it depends. I think in uh, the one thing I would say is that in that sport, there's the tendency – because of the way it goes, that they forget they're wearing the mic, so you're going to get some of that stuff. We've done what you're talking about there, um, where there's not the interaction from us, and that's fine. I mean, we had um, it was it was what year was it? I guess it was 2018. We had Stephen Vote mic'd for a September game at your place. Do you guys know him at all? I mean, he's yeah. funny. Like he's funny. And so he, and that's the way we did it. We did the same thing where we, we just, we didn't talk in his ear, but just rolled back and he would, you know, interact with different guys and, and, and that type of thing. But I'm with you. I think, you know, that's the way you, you engage, you engage fans. I also, yeah, I I think that there's, uh, there's a lot of things that, that can be done. How, uh, how quickly did you say yes when they offered you the job? Immediately, but I would say that I I wouldn't have, I would not have, the the process was going to be, am I legitimately interested in doing this job if it's offered sort of ahead of it? You know what I'm saying? So it it wasn't, I wouldn't, this is the type of job that I wouldn't go all the way to the end and then say, eh, I'm not going to do that. So if I wasn't interested, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been, uh, you know, I wouldn't have gone all the way till the end. So when they offered it to me, it was like, "Hey, so do you want it? You bet." That's what I, that, that's 
that's kind of the way that's kind of the way it it worked. It was like that. Yeah. Well, you and you and Len Casper are pretty close, right? We are. We we've, we've known each other for twenty years. So you know, Len. The part that was funny was that Len and I. You know, we we talk a lot during the year, during the off season, and we go back to you know the early two thousands in in Florida, and I knew what he was looking at, and so he and I talked about it, and I just wanted him to be happy, and at no point did I really think about that as a move. That's what's sort of, fu- and it's funny to say it out loud. I like my gig, or liked my gig. With ESPN, you know, I'm the only guy getting to do national, you know, doing 35 national TV games and some playoffs and 50 national radio games and some playoffs. And it's so you get to do both. It's a cool and then college basketball. It's a cool it's a cool gig. So I hadn't whenever I thought about whenever I went to Wrigley Field and I probably done 100 games at Wrigley Field. I'd never thought about what would it be like if I was the guy every day because it was his job. Yeah. So then when it came to it, I had to kind of like sit and, you know, meditate on it a little bit. And the more I thought about it, I was like, okay, you know what? This, this would be pretty awesome. I mean, this is the type of job for me in my mind. I would love to have this job till I'm done. Like this is the, hopefully the take it to the house job. What's, what's the thing you're most excited about coming to Chicago? I don't know that I, it's it's really hard to answer because you added that second part. Like I'm from New York, I'm excited to move to Chicago. I love that city. I was just there last week, and it's just always I've always felt connected to it. I love how much of a baseball town it is, but I love the vibe of the city. It's just it's always felt familiar to me. Um, and as far as the baseball part is the thing I said at the beginning, I just, I love how much, how much they care. I don't know if there's one thing I like my corny answer, but it is sincere is yeah. I'm excited to see what my life's going to be like for the next 20 years. It's pretty exciting. Like my life in yeah. Chicago. I'm excited about that. As far as like a city to move to, to take advantage of like a city that you haven't necessarily gotten to fully explore. Right the ins and outs and the food and you get portions of it because you're here for two, three days at a time, but like to really get to dig in and explore it. Like it's one of those cities that you just keep peeling back new layers to and finding out more about it. How's the uh, travel when you're with one team compared to with ESPN? Like do you travel a lot more? I'm guessing with when you're with one team, because I feel like ESPN it's what, like once, maybe twice a week. So with ESPN, my normal schedule, I, in two, for about two or three years, my schedule was pretty rough. I would leave Friday. I would do a radio game Saturday and Sunday in a city. And then Monday, I would fly to Bristol and do baseball tonight, Monday. And then Tuesday, I'd fly to a TV game and do a TV game Wednesday, fly home Thursday, and then turn around and do it again on Friday. Oh, wow. So like That's that. Brutal. Now, of late, it was leave Friday, do radio Saturday, Sunday, home Monday and either leave Tuesday or Wednesday morning for the Wednesday TV game was my standard. So it's a little, you know, here there, because you have home stands um, and you're in a city for an extended stretch, I think the travel 
is a little less grueling. The only thing that I think is interesting, and I know you guys are used to it, but I, I had this suspicion. I'm curious to see what sports look like 10 years from now. But there's still a part of me that wonders if if you're really better off getting into Arizona at 3 a.m. and playing that night or going back, going to bed and flying day of game, that you might be, be- – like there's a part of me that has a suspicion that we're going to eventually shift and find out that, yeah, that – probably isn't the best thing to, to put guys to bed at two thirty three a.m. or get to a hotel at two thirty three a.m. Yeah, the yeah. we did some we did some day game travel this year, and it was easier because we were in the central, and right. so you were flying, you know, early that day. But you also yeah. your flight was very long. But yeah, it's definitely it's definitely different, and I think that I think one of the things about the seven o'clock game is even if you get in at like two or three, you can at least sleep from like. Yeah. Four until noon, so you but, can still get eight hours. Yes, but that's still not – absolutely, but it's still not the way your your body clock is used to really working. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not quite. Road trips, will make up, yeah, road trips will mess up your body clock yeah. quicker, quicker than anything. When uh, you talk about radio games compared to TV games, do yeah. you feel when you do radio, there's like – less pressure than tv especially when you're on baseball tonight you know it's like okay this is a prime time game even if you're doing a prime time game on radio you know there's not a million cameras staring at you for for nine innings so i don't i don't experience it that way i I, whether it's radio or tv as weird as it is like once you're in it i don't think about um i don't think about how many people are listening or watching you just don't um I think that on radio, the part I like is that there's control. For the most part, on radio, because it's such a play-by-play dominant sport, if I'm good, it's good. On TV, if I'm good, the cameras might not be following me, the director might not be cutting it great, the producer and I might be out of whack, we might be, you know, the graphics might not be great, and also there's a real good chance that I... Stink that night, but I'm saying it like there's a lot of control in radio where it's just like, okay, if I describe the plays and my timing is good and I get in and out and I'm smooth and I let leave space for Chris Singleton, we're, we're in pretty good shape. And there's just so many other moving parts on the, on the television side. So I don't feel more pressure. I, I like them both. They, they, they access different skills on the TV side because you can see it. I'm not calling every pitch. There's just no need. You know, I don't need to – if there's a score bug that says the count and the score bug that says the score, I don't need to tell you the score every two seconds. I don't need to tell you that here comes the 2-1. I'll do it every once in a while. But in that spot, because you can see it, I'm using the space that I have to tee up my analyst, to tell stories, you know – try and get into different content. What, you know, Ian Happ's hitting more fly balls this year. You know, what's changed? Whatever. On radio, my first, first thing is the timing of the play is starting, swinging a ground ball, right side, you know, Kipnis picks it up, throws to first, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
it, you're 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 describing is the main is the main part of it. So what determines for you if you think like you had a shitty yeah. game? Like you said, like sometimes you think you have a bad game. Like what determines that? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. I think it's different on 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 radio. It just feels like timing. Like here, I think you guys can relate to this. I've said this one before. So on radio, I especially feel this. Baseball is a slow sport, and it can get really fast in a hurry. That's the way mm-hmm. it feels in the broadcast booth sometimes. Just like, yeah, you know, Chris talking about the Cubs, there's a foul ball, and it's two and one. And then all of a sudden, like, throw the first, gets away from Rizzo, and oh, you know, and then you're just chasing, and it's like, what's happening? You know, so it's – so, but but you guys have probably you know not probably you've experienced that as players where it's like it's slow and slow and slow and then it's really fast and you and you can't and you can't step on the gas too hard and and get out of control you got to still stay in control so it's for me on radio it's timing on TV you have so much space to make content choices I'm the guy that gets to and sometimes I just make bad choices and sometimes. Sometimes I say dumb shit, you know? That's what I'm really trying not to do. Like, one of the things I'll say to you, like, look, here's one. You, you guys, can, you can dig on this a little bit. Like, we're, you know, we've been recording for a little while. But if we went on for three hours and 15 minutes, and we had to just keep doing it, and the only bar was, like, yeah, don't say dumb shit. It's hard, man. At a certain point, you're going to say something probably wrong. You're going to misspeak. One of you guys might call me Joe by accident, but you know my name. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like at some point, I'm you know, during – I mean, I won't this year, but, like, there's always a chance. Like, if I did the Yankees the night before, like, is there a chance I could call you J-Hap? But it's like – it's not like I don't know who – you know what I'm saying? We're, so just – Sometimes you're just not going to be that sharp, and it's a crappy feeling. It's a crappy. I hate. I hate when I'm bad. I hate it. You're talking about over the course of a season doing close to 500 hours, maybe more right. on air. Yeah, you're probably going to mess. Yeah, and then no you, get the, you get tweeters at you saying, "Oh, he called them the wrong name." Right. And you're just like, yeah. "Shut up." Right. I mean, for the most part, I I don't know. I I don't let that stuff bother me i'm gonna make mistakes if you know not everybody's gonna like me and sometimes i'm gonna make mistakes and if people want to hammer me for them i just gotta be like yeah you're right that was brutal <laughs> but then there are other times when you know the one thing that stinks about twitter is that it's a great psychological experiment because people people like to use twitter in part to correct other people to make themselves feel better and one of the best examples this happens to me I want to give you a realistic number. I'd say 20 times a year, somebody tweets at me to correct me about something that I just said on a game I'm not doing. Now digest that for a second. Okay, Sparky. So you're going to be the ombudsman and tweet at me and be the fact checker guy, but you didn't bother to look to see who was actually doing the game. So the thing that you're pissed off that the broadcaster didn't do his homework about, you didn't. And like a lot of people are guilty of that one. So how do you not curse on air, though? Like, I find that honestly impossible. 
Also, should you be able to curse on air? Great I say point. yes. I, I say yes. Obviously, not some words, but you know what I mean. Like with the, within reason, you know, I believe shit. so. Like what if a someone play. hits a bomb, like holy shit, like holy shit, yes. hat just hit a walk off. Right. Right. You should be able right. to say that. But it also, but it, but it would go. It could go both ways. It could be like JD hap like uncle watching this right now you know what i mean like you don't want that either um so no but i i understand why you'd ask that there's like there's this switch that you turn on and i have all these sort of old people phrases that that are in my head that i use in place of curses or whatever and then I, I will tell you like early on in Rossi's career when I knew we were in a good space broadcasting wise he told me that he thought he was going to curse one night and I was like all right then we're we're good because I didn't seriously though because then he's not thinking about it you know what I'm saying then he's just all I'm trying to do I'm trying I want him to do him you know like that's my biggest thing on the air is you're trying I think that in baseball I've said this one a million times you know I've been doing this since I was you know in my mid-20s and baseball in particular is I think the ultimate broadcaster sport because there's so much space but we've all heard broadcasters and no matter what age you are I think that the idea of the play-by-play broadcaster we all think of some 65 year old white guy and we use 65-year-old white guy phrases. And I think as play-by-play guys, once we can get that out of our system, because I'm not going to say can of corn. I'm not going to say that's just what the doctor <laughs> ordered. Because I don't speak like that when we're hanging out. <laughs> so that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to I, – I just I, – I'm trying to push the stuff – and 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 say the things that I would say if we were just hanging out. I'm trying to channel that as really as much as I as I possibly can, you know. Like I so, and I, because I think that's and then and people can sniff out w- whether it's fake or whether it's real, and that's the part that I think um, you're trying to do. And I will say. I, you know, it's not like I haven't come close to – have I come close to cursing? I mean, I've just – I've had the conversation in my head, you know, where you're just sort of – you have these amazing moments where – I'll give you an example of one. I did a 2013, and I did the, the ALCS, and it was game two, and the Tigers, they had a really good Tigers team with all that good pitching and Scherzer and Anibal Sanchez and Verlander. And they're up one nothing, and Sanchez is dealing in game two, and they're up four nothing, and then Ortiz hits the grand slam where Hunter flipped over the wall, and they were just so dead. And then he hit the home run, and the roof just came off of the place. And I'm calling the play, but having a conversation in my head that is, holy, he just tied the game. That's unbelievable. Like I did not see that coming. You know, like. And I can remember like calling it and reacting to the crowd and in my head thinking, wow, really that? Okay. Yeah. 
I think that's where it'd be tough because, like you said, as a fan of the game, like as a fan, you're sitting there, holy shit, like he just tied this up. That's insane. But as a broadcaster, you got to be like, all right, like what can I say so, that the, won't get me in trouble? But, but the other thing is that there's something about it where the, the, some switch gets turned on when you're broadcasting that filters out some of that stuff. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I mean, I watch Game 7 – I watched game seven um, of the 16, you know, world series with a couple of people. And I could still remember, you know, different moments, like, you know, the old walking towards the TV move when something big happens, you know what I mean? Like Zobris comes up with that hit and I'm walking towards, walking towards the TV. And that gets kind of filtered out because you got to concentrate on what you're doing when you're broadcasting the game. And I think it, and you don't feel the nerves as much. But if I were just sitting in the booth with a headset on next to somebody who was calling it, I might feel some of that stuff. And that that's sort of the distinction I guess I'm trying to make. I the think the thing that I'm most excited about, I don't know if you've thought about this yet, is that you will have the first call with fans back at Wrigley Field. Yeah. And you will also have the first sold-out game back at Wrigley Field. Yep. Yo, I've thought about that. That's going to be awesome. a moment. Like the first game, 40,000 plus at Wrigley, yeah. I get goosebumps thinking. Totally. That your voice will be associated that. Yeah. Or no pressure. I got nah, – I, I don't, yeah, don't curse that yeah. I don't – that just excites me. I mean, I get goosebumps right now thinking about doing that. I mean, I think that that's uh, – yeah, just sitting drinking that in right now is exciting to me. So I, I don't know. I think about it as, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I understand the curiosity from what I do. I don't think of it as pressure. I'm not saying if something big happens in that first sold-out game, that's what I want. I want and, and get a chance to call something awesome. And maybe I'll fuck it up. You know what I mean? Like, But, I'm, I, but I want the chance 10 out of 10 times. I think I mean I think that's going to be the most incredible moment. Yeah. And I am very happy that it's going to be your voice that's going to be associated with it. Do you think that the KBO is going to miss you more or that you are going to miss the KBO more? <laughs> I'd say push there are no winners here. Um No, the KBO god. The KB I described doing KBO as it was like log rolling like log rolling, and then sometimes they'd throw chainsaws and I would juggle chainsaws. <laughs> That's how it felt. That's how it felt. What do you got? Like, Zach's from – like, you got you to gotta be good with chainsaws up there in, in New York. I don't – Yeah. I mean – Oh, yeah. So, I, it was uh, – I mean, look, here's a couple of the things with the KBO. One is it was basically doing games – where you're just watching the game and the TV's down. So we, I don't, you know, whereas, hey, give me a shot of Ian Happ, and then they'll show me you. In this, we have no control over it. So it's just cut. There's that guy. Cut. There's that guy. Hey, there's that guy. And we had, I, I'll send you guys the clip. We were in, and then sometimes the camera work stinks. And we were in the middle of a conversation, and this little lefty hit a ball like to the left of center field. For the most part, they didn't have 
big power. It was, we were just in the middle of a conversation. Oh, did that, did that go out? Oh, that went out. Okay. All right. Good home run call. All right. Uh, we're tied up at two. Like that happened on the air, on the air. I was like, I was like, I hope Jimmy Pitaro just calls me up and fires me right now because I deserve it. It was so bad. It was so like, just want, did that just, yeah, that, okay. That went over the fence. It was like, I was confused by the rules, you know, like, so wait, over the wall, what ha- he gets to run around the bases? It was so dumb. But I at like two, three in the morning. That's right. Yeah. So it, I mean, but we had we had fun, and you know, I I put so many good pictures. I had people sending me pictures. I'm putting on my wall behind me. Um, the other thing that happened. How about this? Most people don't know this one, but I'd say three times this happened. Ten minutes to air. Hey, uh, your game between uh, Doosan and the Dinos, it got rained out. So we're going uh, we're gonna to have you do Hanwha and Kiwu. And I would be like, yeah, I'm, I haven't really prepped on that. Okay, well, we'll talk to you in 10. See you later. Bye. <laughs> what? <laughs> and that happened like three times where you're just, I mean, but it's, it's one of those little things where you talk about working without a net. Um, and then the Twitter police every once in a while would be like, do the game. You call play by play. You call the play by play. Stop turning this into a talk show. And it was like, this is really hard. Like I'm, I'm having a really difficult time here right now. Um, could you, could you back it up a little bit? Maybe take it down from like a 10 down to like a six for me. I remember when I came on yeah. and we were talking and having a great conversation. And I remember honestly, like being like, the game is happening. I have no clue what's happening. Right. I don't know if anybody knows what's happening. Sure. But then seeing comments on Twitter later that night, it was like 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock in Arizona. Yeah. And it was, you know, 2 a.m. in New York. And people being like, they don't even call these games. It's like, you guys never watched these never. games before. <laughs> when did you start to get so invested? Yes. It was so, I mean, Look, it's one of those things where we got a chance to to I mean there were moments where it was it was good it was there were mo- the defense was bad um there was a lot of th- there was a lot of picking you know the pitchers picked meaning like you know just around the edges and stuff yeah it was just it was it was different there was some really funny stuff I mean there were some moments in it that were that were really really funny but you know you're Gosh, you're up. I mean, I'm getting up at 3 a.m. and calling a game at 4 in the morning or 5.30 in the morning. Um, I was, yeah, it was a zoo. Kind of off topic. Um, like you said, hey, give me a shot of Ian Happ. Like, yeah. Are you saying that into your ear? Are you telling somebody like, hey, I want to go with I want to go with this, this avenue here? Oh, I have uh, two main buttons in front of me. One says talk back and one says cough. Cough is self-explanatory. So I hold that down if I got to cough or burp or whatever and then the other one i tell the producer and the director so like we can have a conversation so he'll say so if ian's coming up you know hey after this out we're gonna roll back haps home run he'll say in my headset and i'll say no let's not do that because i don't like ian Happ. and he'll be like okay no problem and then and then and then i'll hit him and talk back and i'll be like Let's do the Rizzo home run. And he'll be like, okay. 
but so we can but we can have entire conversations off the air where I'm holding down uh, the talkback button. So that have you ever whiffed the talkback button? So you got to be a little careful, and then guys have gotten in some trouble saying stuff they shouldn't say. So you you know you got to be a little yeah you got to be. Ca- I mean, I think you. I would say at this point, I'm kind of assuming that my mic is there's the chance that my mic is is open. So that's kind of crazy. I I honestly net had never even thought about that, and like. I feel like I would just hammer the button. Like if I was going to say something that I didn't want to be on air, I'm sure. breaking that button, making sure it's pushed down. Right. Well, then the other thing that happens though with guys that are new sometimes is that the producer will talk in the talk in their ear off the air, and a new guy will answer on the air. So like the producer like, will be like, "All right, son, uh, you good for the?" K-Zone highlight package after this out? You bet. And you just here on the air, you know, you bet. So that happens from time to time. What's the uh, – how long does it take you to get used to a producer and a crew? Like does that change often in ESPN or is it – because I'm sure that there's some – with Marquee, you have new producers, you have a new crew that you have to get used to. But we'll do it so much and do it every day. I don't think it'll take very long. At ESPN on the baseball side, I, I mean – this past year was a little bit of, you know, chaos. But I worked with Jeff Dufine, the same guy, you know, I'd say 90% of the time. For college basketball, like I'm doing a game tomorrow night from home. I'm doing Texas and Oklahoma tomorrow night from my apartment. Um, I did Saturday, I did Florida and Georgia from my apartment. Wait, so to that, do you have like a raw, like are you watching whatever's on TV just but you're – or do you have like a – just a raw camera that's a few seconds ahead of whatever's on TV. I have a camera that's – and then maybe another angle, and then there's a camera at – you know, pointed at me. But it's it's not super sophisticated. Right. Um, but basketball, you can do that. Baseball is a little more challenging. You know, like you think about football and basketball, and it's pretty linear. It's pre- pretty left to right, up and down. You know, baseball, the ball can go in so many different directions and, and yeah, someone can hit a home run and you don't know. Right. That's, <laughs> that's exactly what happens. <laughs> yeah. Boog, cannot wait to have you calling games at Wrigley. Hopefully we'll get some spring training dose early, but thank you for doing this. We always love having you on the compound. You are the first. Nope, you're Thanks. the second. Thanks. Dom, we got Dom on twice. No, Schwarber too. No, but this he's the second non-player oh, yeah. repeat guest. I like it. I think I was one of the first five guests, wasn't I? Yeah. And there's a good chance that you'll become one of, if not the first, three-peat guests. What? Yes! That's what I'm talking about. That'll be an in-season, in-person interview, too. Yes. Have you guys yeah, we got to get, get him to rock one of these around in the clubhouse before oh, game, yeah. pre-game. Well, how long have you had the hats? Oh yeah, uh, a couple months now. We're you know we're a pretty legit podcast these days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I got you. Like my phone rings. Like you could, like <laughs> we could have a text exchange where like I give you my address and I'd wear the compound hat. You know how that works, right? <laughs> do, you, though. do you drink coffee in the booth? 
absolutely I drink coffee in the booth. I said, like, the guys from, they were like, ask him if he drinks coffee in the booth. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Why drink coffee? I mean, I have that hooked up, like, IV style. We're going to have. I'm doing laps in coffee in the booth. <laughs> we're going to have. I lost you- my coffee virginity in the booth. <laughs> I'd have in the booth with the compound hat on, drinking quarantine coffee, drinking Connect Roasters. You're going to be branded out the ass from our podcast. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Sign me up. Just, I'd like a hat. I'd like a hat. I want free stuff. That's all I'm saying. You know, it's like I want. That's that's what I'm looking for. It's just if it's if it's free, it's me. <laughs> we'll provide it. Thanks so much. Thanks, you guys. I appreciate it. I look forward to seeing y'all in uh, Arizona. was our good friend John Boog Shiambi. I think the question about how to make the broadcast more entertaining or, or like fans more engaged was really interesting. I think him I think his storytelling the more license they give him to be able to be himself and do the storytelling and humanize players and be around like it's going to be really hard this year because of COVID and because of everything that the protocols and um, just people be having access to players. But the more he's able to tell stories and like really talk to fans, like, like I would give him 25 shows on marquee. I would give him hours of airtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm marquee, I'm hitting him with every request and trying to make him do a thousand shows. I will say when we were talking about like uh, how you were mic'd up, in spring training and then like how they want to do it for the playoffs. I really just don't see that being possible. Like I couldn't yeah. imagine like Ian, you're in center field in game one of the NLDS NLCS. Um, and you're like having a conversation while you're trying to lock into, well, should I play a step this way? Because this guy usually hits oppo. And then like at the same time, you're trying to answer questions like that's just too much going on where if it comes back to somehow being like, well, I was distracted and you miss a play because of it. I, that's just it, not worth it to me. I don't they, think, asked I don't think do it. they asked me to do it for the wild card game, and I had to say no because I was like, I don't. It's like I don't think I can be fully focused and also do that. It would have been, and and Boog actually had the game, and it would have been great television. But oh, I yeah. just, I just didn't think I could do it. I do. I stand by my idea that if you mic guys up during BP with the two way mic, that you could have some really cool conversations that people would enjoy watching during. That that's nope. honestly probably one of the better ideas you've ever had. Thank you. <laughs> they stuff like that. I feel you with it. You'll see that on like Sunday night baseball. They'll sometimes have like tape from people around the cages. And it's always funny stuff. Like Zach said it in the interview, like people love to hear that. Like, it's so cool seeing mic'd up NFL players talking to each other on the sideline. Like have someone in the dugout do it. Say like a starting pitcher, not throwing that day. Like have him in the dugout. Sure. I was maybe not live action stuff. I was like 99% asleep the other night and I came across this video on YouTube for like 45 minutes. I was like, I mean, I'm sold. I'll watch it. I don't care. Like just mic'd up and seeing people. We've talked about it a hundred times. It's just seeing the real people and genuine reactions to part of the game is just, it's so cool. I mean, imagine if that was, imagine if that was 30 minutes before the game, like you take BP, you do the, you know, do the two way mic. 
30 minutes before the game, you know, when they have the talking heads talk about the game, you know, it's five, 10 minutes of that. And then it's 10 to 15 minutes of this mic'd up. And then you go right into the game. Right. And think yeah. about it, you know, like when everybody walks around, hey, I'm mic'd up today. And like everyone's having a blast. Think how cool it would be before a wild card game. Hey, everybody, not on edge, but everyone, like the intensity's up, you know, like showing, I don't know. I just think I fall in love with mic'd up. I I'd love the I'd love the raw footage of some of it too. Maybe like a yeah. little eighteen plus raw footage, like what guys yeah. are really saying sometimes because it's it's so intriguing to see like Patrick Mahomes talking to his teammates. It's like that's incredible. You, I was not like he didn't he didn't think a camera was on. I mean, obviously he did, but like he wasn't like, oh, I'm mic'd up here. This is yeah, like, yeah, I'm not doing it for something. It's just literally this is what teammates do. Kevin Millar in uh, Dakota. I know you haven't seen it in the four uh, the four days in October. You couldn't pay like, me enough just, money on this earth to watch that. I never would. Dakota. Grow up. He's just never. going around saying like, hey, don't let us win tonight. And it was just so cool. Like, it's not like, I mean, it's again, not cool. No, it's not cool. You know what, Tom baby. Brady? I hope Tom wins now. Go Bucks! Come on, Buccaneers. Disgusting. It's disgusting. With that, I mean, the ways to get fans engaged, the ways to do more of that, I'm all for it. And I – before I'm done playing, I want so badly for there to be just one game that's broadcasted on HBO. Just yes. one. We have. Yes. You have to. You have to. You have to. You have to. I don't know how they haven't found a way to do that yet. Just like a game a week where it's like on HBO and the broadcasters are whoever. Like just pick two guys that don't really care and just say whatever they want. You understand that, that shit? People would pay so much money. The HBO game of the week would be. It'd be electric. Oh, my God. God. But at the same time, I wouldn't want to watch it because, like, if you're struggling, they'd be like, what the fuck's this guy doing at the plate? Holy shit. You're you're bringing in Mekis again? What the fuck? This guy sucks. That's why people people would rather watch the Barstool guys or the John Boy guys live stream watch a game. Exactly. Because they get the live reaction and they'll say what everyone's thinking that you can't really say on air sometimes, which I understand you can't say it because right. they're right. watching stuff, but that's why you go on HBO and it'd be, I think that'd be incredible. Let's do screen time. Oh, joy. Dakota manipulated it again. I would never cheat. Yeah. I respect for the game sure. way too much. I got, a, I got a high one today. I got a pretty high one for myself. 323. Nice, man. Congrats. What's yours? 434. <laughs> yes. 426. I thought I was going to lose. Well, Ian no. still got the hour Ian. behind. Though. All right, buddy. We'll check back in an hour and see where you're at. This has been episode 47. Anything to say to the fans before we go? When you go buy a me. bottle of Parsa, you plant a tree, so you're saving the earth. That's all. How I don't do you know if you're about, about that, getting, if you like saving the earth. How do you feel about people getting their obvious shirts in preparation for the season? I mean, if I see a – when I say Parsa, you say rum. Well, Ian, if you see it, you should give that person a ball. Like that should be a guarantee ball. Yes. Get any. Okay. Here we go. Any. What? You have to be able. You have to be able to live up to this. Don't don't let this be another Ian Hap lie though. This needs to happen. No, we need. Okay, so this is this is a this is going to be a fib for me then. You Ian carries around baseball signed by us, and anytime you see a shirt, you just throw him a ball. That's I, just, I, do that. I wish I want to make it more realistic. I was like, every, that's not that's not logical, Zach. <laughs> that's why I said it was a carry around a box of baseballs. Yes, every time every time at the field, I see a compound related shirt, whether it's I say I parse, you say rum, or hat. another 
or hat, whether any compound related gear, my, the ball that's in my hand is headed that way. You might not always get it. Okay? Everyone's not going to get one, but I can guarantee that if I look in the stands and I see one and have a ball in my hand, that ball is headed towards the person with the compound gear. And because there's going to be social distancing, there's a good chance that it hits you in the chest. I love it. I'm in. That's episode. I'm fired up. That's episode 47 <laughs> of the Compound Podcast presented by Parse Rum. Go get a bottle of Parse at Benny's. Plant some trees. Save the earth. We'll see you for episode 48.